good evening. It's good to see a few people coming on and logging in to watch our sermon here tonight. It's not the same as some people being here at church and watching them walk in the back door, but it's it's pretty good to watch you guys popping up on the on the screen there, seeing your names, you guys commenting to each other. That's great to, to see. I know it's a rainy, cold Sunday night, and you guys could easily, uh, I'm not saying, you, you, you're not here, you could easily just lay on your couch and watch me preach tonight. So this is the perfect weather for an online sermon. So I hope you're hearing me. I had a couple people say that they, they couldn't hear, so if anybody uh, can hear, let, let me know, or not let me know, but let Gracie know, and she'll try to fix that. She's become my technician here as we're working uh, on these online sermons. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and jump into the passage tonight, and what we have in front of us here tonight, if you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. This morning we did 23 verses, tonight we'll do one verse. And this is the second sermon in a series that we've been preaching on uh, God's answer to our fears, our anxieties, and our worries. Uh, and that's, I think that's a much-needed uh, topic for us to, to study. I know that I can't be with our church. I can't be around them. I can't talk to most of you face-to-face. -face. Uh, but this is for our church. It's for us. This is something I wanted for your heart and for mine. I, want, I wanted this for us because I know even though I can't see you, I imagine that on the other end of that screen there are all kinds of fears. There's all kinds of anxieties, and there's all kinds of worries. So I wanted to help remedy that. I wanted to help fix that. And my prayer in doing this study is, and I wrote these things down, is I wanted for you, for me, to calm our deepest fears, to conquer our worst of worries, and to cast our greatest anxieties upon the Lord. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. I want to calm the storm within our hearts. Uh, so let's look at this tonight. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. The title of the sermon is, Casting Our Cares. Casting our cares upon God. And you can go ahead and maybe even memorize this verse. I think memorization is a good thing. So if you want to memorize this, and then the next time you have some cares, some worries, some fears, you can have this verse repeating over and over in your head like a song. So let me read this to you as we get started. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. One verse only. We'll, we'll kind of back up and look at a couple other verses as we get into this. But verse 7 only for our reading. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Simple verse, easy for us to memorize, something we should be repeating to ourselves all the time. And again, the title of the sermon is Casting Our Cares. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll study this passage and see if we can learn how to calm the storms that are raging within us right now in the midst of this pandemic. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your word has given us all things pertaining to life and to godliness, and that you have not left us alone to deal with these issues, to deal with our anxieties, to deal with our fears, to deal with our worries on our own. But you've given us help. You've given us guidance. You've given us your word. And God, we, we want to go deep into this. I, I don't want to give uh, uh, easy, simple quotes to help us to get through this. I want to go deep into your word so that all of us can have tonight our, our cares cast upon you. So God, help me tonight. Help us tonight. And God, if you would, I pray that you would Calm the, the storms within our hearts. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've got an assignment for you tonight. I want, some, I want you to do something for me. And if you're watching at a later time, it may be a little bit easier that you could pause me and set me to the side so that you can do this assignment while we're, while we're filming. So what I want you to do for me right now is, is maybe, you know, maybe you don't want to do it right now, but think about it. Get you a piece of paper and a pen and get out a, and, and sit down and write down 
the things that you are worried about, the things that you are scared of, the things that you are concerned or care about, these anxieties in your life, I want you to write them down. I want, I want, to write, I want you to write down what troubles you, what keeps you up at night, what causes you concern, what makes you fret and fear, what is your greatest anxieties. And you can sit and write these things down. I've actually made my, my own list, and I brought it with me here tonight as I prepared to preach. I wrote down a list of anxieties. That's at the top of my piece of paper here. And I'm not going to tell you mine, but I'm going to tell you some of the things that I wrote down. Because I have a list here, some of the things that, that cause all of us anxiety. And, and here they are. Some people have anxiety or fear about crowds. Especially right now, they don't want to be around a whole lot of people, so they're scared of crowds. And they're keeping themselves at a distance, six feet from each other, so they're scared of crowds. Other people are scared of being alone. They don't like to be isolated. They don't like to stay at home. They don't, they don't like to, to sit at the house by themselves for weeks at a time. So you have some that are scared of crowds and some that will be scared of being alone. Some are scared of failure. Some are scared of being successful. Some are scared of change. They can't handle that something might change. Others are scared of routine. They're scared that nothing will change. Some are scared of the dark. They can't stand. They have to have a nightlight in the room. They're scared to death of the dark. Others are scared of the light. Some are scared of the heights. You couldn't pay them to go to the top of a building and look down. Others are scared of tight spaces. You couldn't pay them to go into an MRI machine. Some are scared of gaining weight. Others are scared that they won't be able to get food to eat the next day. Some are scared of the future. I don't know what it holds. Some are worried about the past and what they've done in the past. Some are scared of being single for the rest of their lives. And some are worried about being married and that they will be able to survive their marriage. Some are worried about no job at all. Some are worried about a bad job. And I've got a whole list of these. Some are worried about their kids getting sick. Others are worried about not being able to have kids at all. Some are worried about getting old, and some are worried about growing up. Some are worried about the coronavirus, and others are worried about their paycheck. You see here, it's a long list, and I could go on and on. I've got more that I could add to this, a list of anxieties that could, could fill up a, a whole sheet of paper. And I hope I gave you some time to think about the things that, that keep you up at night, what's on your list. But I, and whatever it is, it's on your list. I don't want to be one of those people, but the people in 1 Peter chapter 5 has it worse than we do. None of us have on our list what they had on their list. Now, again, I don't want to be one of those people. You always have people that come up to you and you tell them what's wrong with you and they'll always be one-upping you and say, well, yeah, you broke your leg. I broke both of my legs. Well, you broke both of your legs. I broke both of my legs and both of my arms. And they're always one-upping you. But I've got to one-up you here. The people in 1 Peter chapter 5, the whole, the whole book here, the readers had it way, 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 way worse than we do. We wouldn't dare trade places or, I'll say this, we wouldn't dare trade lists my list for their list. You wouldn't dare do that. What was on their list? Well, let me give you perspective here. This book is this is Peter's writing to a people that were Christians that were scattered. They were scattered abroad. They were persecuted. They were facing an onslaught from Rome and, his, and, and their leader, Nero. They were under constant threat. Their lives were like looking at a volcano, waiting for it to erupt, and it could erupt at any time. And they're just sitting there waiting on it. It could happen any day, any time. Every morning they woke up, they're waiting for something bad to happen. And let me tell you what happened to, to, during this time. Nero, the leader of Rome, as this is being written, was a vicious, disgusting, evil, beastly leader. The worst of the worst 
a type of the Antichrist. And again, it's written during the Babylonian Rome anti-God time. And what he would do is round up Christians, tie them up, set them on fire, and use them as the party lights for his garden parties. You've heard of a Roman candle, a firework that, that we, we use as the 4th of July. The Roman candle comes from this period of time when Nero would set on fire Christians and he called them Roman candles. Christians on fire. So that, that, that's the kind of worries that they're facing here. That's what they're going through. Ask them for their list and, and it's going to be, will I be alive tomorrow? Ask them for their list and it will, be, will I be eaten by a wild animal tomorrow? Ask them for their list and it will be, will I die and my kids be left to be raised by, by these Roman leaders? Ask them for their list and they would say uh, that, that their businesses won't be open the next day. That they're going to lose their job because of their, their faith, not because of a pandemic. So understand, just putting things in perspective, this is not the worst time to be alive. This is, people say this all the time, oh, it's the worst, it's the worst. It has to be the end time because it's the worst. I don't know if it's the end times or not, but it's not the worst times that have ever been. This is a bad time. Peter here who wrote this will die two years later at the hands of Rome. Paul will die and have his, his head cut off by Nero in Rome. This is a bad time. This book is, is troubling. Paul, Peter is writing to one of the worst times in all of history for Christians. They wasn't being kept in, in homes because of a virus. They were being kept in their homes because if they came out, they would die at the hands of the Roman leaders. This is bad times. And Peter writes here to them. The whole letter is written to them to tell them how to live in this. How to live in the worst of times. How to face the worst of circumstances. And he gives them this verse at the end to teach them how to deal with their worries. Can you imagine the worries that they had? Literally, will I die tomorrow? Will I die the most gruesome death imaginable? Will I be set on fire and used in the Roman uh, Emperor Nero's parties? We don't have those worries. That's not on my list. But it was on their list. That's the kind of things they were anxious about. That's the kind of things they cared about. That's the kind of things they were concerned about. And Peter writes this letter to them and says in verse 7, I want you to cast all those cares, all these things that you've written down. Will I die tomorrow? Will I be a Roman candle tomorrow? Will wild animals eat me alive tomorrow? Will they take my kids tomorrow? I mean, this list goes on and on and on for them. And he's telling them, take that list and cast it on God because he cares for you. And that's the whole sermon here. That was advice for them in 65 AD. And this is still advice for us 2,000 years later. So let's take this verse that was meant for them in that time and let's use it for our time. A time when they were facing an onslaught of Roman persecution. Let's take that verse when they were so much more worse off than we are and let's apply it to our lives today in the midst of a pandemic. Let's learn tonight how to cast our fears, our anxieties, our cares, and our worries on the Lord. And I've got one verse for you tonight, and I've got three points as we look at casting our cares. So let's work our way through this. I think this will be a short sermon. I'm not going to hurry up. I'm going to take my time. We need to hear this. 
The first thing I want to talk about is, is in verse 7, the word care. I want, I want us to see the anxieties that we face. I, I'll go ahead and give you the points if you want them. I want to show you, first of all, the anxieties we face. Second, I want to show you the action that we take. And lastly, I want to show you the assurance that we get. So number one, let's look at the anxiety that we face. He says you're casting all your care. Now, I've already got it underlined. I don't have to get my pen out. But if you underline the word care, that's what he's talking about. Our cares. Our, and it would be, other versions have it, anxieties. Casting our anxieties on God. Not on my husband, not on, on my, my children, not on a psychiatrist. I'm casting my anxieties on the shoulders of God. So what is, what are these anxieties that we face? What, is, what do I mean by anxiety? If I were to look at you tonight and say, do you have anxiety? And that's a word that we hear a lot of, anxiety. You may look at me and say, I don't have anxiety. I'm not a problem with that. But this word anxiety encompasses a whole lot of things. Let me, let me just show you what it, what it means. It means worries. If I ask you if you're, if you're worried, yeah, you have anxiety. If I ask you if you are discouraged. That you, you were sad about something. You'd say, yeah. If I asked you if you had depression, that's anxiety. Do you have despair? Do you have discontentment that you're not satisfied with the, the place that you're at in your life? Would you say that? Do you have fears? Are you uh, concerned? There's another word, concerned. About what may happen tomorrow, what may happen in the future, that you don't know what's going to come. If any of these words are used for you, then you have Anxiety. That's what it is. Worry, discouragement, depression, despair, discontentment, fear. It covers a lot. So you can actually say, I think we can all say, we have anxieties. We, have, we are anxious. It's a major problem. Let me, let me just give you a few statistics here. The world has an anxiety problem. You say, how do you know that? Statistics say 43% of Americans have to take an anxiety medicine every single day just to cope with life. Almost half of all Americans are taking anxiety medicine just to get from day to day. Do you think we have an anxiety problem? Do you think we have a, a nation that is full of worry and fear and anxiety and discouragement and discontentment and depression? Do you think we're full of it? You, you better believe we are. I even wrote this down. Listen to this. The, out, of, out of the ten top medicines that are, that are used in America, two of them are anxiety medicines. And those two alone made $5 billion last year. That's a lot of money on anxiety. And it's not just the world that faces it. I, I, I think the church faces it just as much as the, the world does. I can take you to the Old Testament and show you David. I, I can take you into, into the Proverbs and show you Solomon, one of, the, one of the great men of all time, had anxiety. David in Psalm 94 says that his cares were many. There's that word cares. David said in Psalm 139 that his thoughts, same word, were many. Overcoming, overflowing with anxiety. The disciples, Jesus constantly asked them, why do you worry? Why are you afraid? Then he would turn around and say, be not afraid. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. He looked in the eyes of his disciples and he saw anxiety, discontentment. He saw discouragement. He saw depression. 
I'll give you another one. Luke 10. You guys can look at that. Mary and Martha, when Jesus comes to their house, and, and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus as he's teaching, and Martha is in the kitchen working away, and Jesus walks up to her and he says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled by many things. Martha, I know your list of anxieties. Martha, Martha, I know everything on your list that you're concerned about. And I'll give you another one. One of my heroes of the faith, one of the prince of preachers, one of the greatest preachers of all time, Charles Spurgeon, was a man who fought depression his entire life. So the church faces anxieties. We are not immune to this. We don't have the antibodies to keep us from this. We all have it. The world faces it, and, and, and the church faces it. It, it. It's in here. It's in our pews. You can see it on the faces of the people that are in the pews when they show up here on Sundays. And I guarantee you, the next Sunday that we arrive, and I'm looking in the pews at the faces, after a month or more of being quarantined, there's going to be fear and anxiety and worry in our faces. Look around America. You can see it on the, on the people in the news. There's anxiety. You can see the faces of athletes. You see it everywhere. Everybody right now is overflowing with anxiety. There's not a person in the world that we can call carefree. There's not anybody that's careless. We all battle it, and the question becomes, as we move on to the next point, does God have an answer for it? If anxiety is what we're facing, does God give us an answer? Does God give us a solution? What's God's answer to that? If he knows that the whole world is facing it, if he knows that it's in his church, if he knows that it's in his preachers, does God in his word leave us to ourselves and say, handle the anxiety, handle the cares, handle all that on your own, or does he give us an answer? I'll tell you this, his answer is not to deny it. His answer is not to ignore it. His answer is not to run from it. You see people all the time trying to drown it out. That's not the answer. You can't drown out your anxieties. You can drink yourself into a stupor, but you're going to wake up and be sober, and your worries and concerns are still going to be there. I've seen people take vacations trying to, to run from their worries. You can't run from your worries. You know why? Because everywhere you go, you're there. And they go with you. You can go to Gatlinburg, but your worries want to go with you. You can go to the beach and sit on the beach for a, a week, but guess what? They're there with you. So what's the answer, Josh? Is it Zoloft? I don't even know if that's the right word for it. Is it medicine? Is it, is it pills? What's the, what's the answer? Does God give us an answer here for the anxieties that we face? And he does. So we see the anxieties we face. I want to show you the action we take. This is the most important part of the sermon. What are the actions that we take? What are we to do with our anxieties? I've got a list here of mine, and, and here they are. I sit in, just right before I came up here, I, I, I sit and, and, and mark some of these things down. What are we to do with these things that we are anxious about? You may not have a list. I've got a list. What do we do with them? What are the actions that we take? Can I hide it somewhere so nobody can see it? Can I run from it and say it over here and say, I don't want to be a part of that? Can I drink it away? Can I drug it away? Can I run away? What do I do with my anxiety? And he gives us an action. Here's what we do. Two actions. Two actions. 
Number one, and there's two here because verses five through seven are interconnected. Number one, the first action that we take is we humble ourselves under God. The first action that we take is we humble ourselves under God. He says that in verse five. I didn't read that at the beginning, but notice how many times he says we ought to humble ourselves. He says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with it. Have it, have it overflowing over top of you. Clothed with humility. And he says, for God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There it is again. Verse 6, humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, we humble ourselves under God. That he may exalt you in due time. So the first action that we take in getting rid of our anxieties is we humble ourselves. This is clothed with humility. Grace to the humble. Humble yourselves. He says it repeatedly there. So the first action is humility. How, how do we do that? I've never heard that the answer to anxiety is humility. How is that? How does that work? Let me explain it to you. Because pride says, you know, the opposite of, of humility is pride. So he wants us to be humble, but the opposite of humility is pride. And what does pride say? I'll say this, and I think it's biblical, that the biggest warriors in the world are the most prideful people. How does that work? Pride says this. Listen to me. Pride says this. Pride says, I know better than God does about my situation. I don't trust God to handle me. I can handle me better than God can handle me. I've got a better plan. I've got a better timing. I've got, I've got it all worked out, and God is going to come in and mess it all up. I don't trust God. I trust me. Pride says that. Pride says, I can handle it better. Pride says, God doesn't know what he's doing. I do. Pride takes control. Pride says, I've got a better plan. Pride says, me that needs to be in control of God. Let me ask you this question. Are you better able to handle the things in your life than God is? Because when you worry and have anxiety in your life, you're saying, I can handle it better than God can. That's putting you up and God down. And that's pride. Humility says the opposite, though. Humility says, I'm not in control. Humility says, I'm not God. Humility says, I can't trust me. That my plan, my timing, the way I want to do it, that I'm, I'm not trustworthy. Don't let me be in control. Let God be in control. We need to learn to be under God. That we place ourselves under someone who is so much more powerful, so much more wise, so much more sufficient, has so much more control, has so much more wisdom, is, knows so much better than I do. And I say, God, you know better than I do. I'm humbling myself under you. Humbling ourselves under God's control. It's letting somebody else drive. It's letting somebody else lead. I'm not going to get on an airplane and think, hmm, I don't think that pilot knows what he's doing. I better take control. But when we worry, we're sitting there thinking, I think I'm going to, I think I know better than God does. I think I need to be in control of this. If I was in control, this wouldn't happen. 
If I was in control, this would happen. If I was in control, this would happen. If I was in control, this would change. If I was in control, we wouldn't be in isolation. We wouldn't have a stay-at-home order. We wouldn't be in quarantine. If I was in control, everything would be better. You think you're better than God is. That's what pride is. Humility says, no, 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 no. God is so, so much more sufficient than I am. He can handle these things so much more than I can handle. He has such a greater plan than I am. I can take not only the, the, the shotgun, the passenger seat, I can be in the back seat. And I can sit back there and rest knowing that God's driving the car and everything's going to be okay. I'm humbling myself under God. America is to be one nation under God again. We're not trusting our politicians and we're not trusting our experts. We're not uh, putting people on pedestals. Like they're the ones that's going to fix everything. We are one nation under God, humbling ourselves and saying, only God can control this situation. Humility says, I can trust God with whatever it is. Fill in the blank. The list. I can trust God with the blank. Pride says, I can't trust God. I can only trust me. So the first action that we take is we humble ourselves under God. He says that. Verse 6, humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, the powerful hand of God, the controlling hand of God. Humble ourselves. Know that God is in control, and He can handle things a whole lot better than we can. Number two, we humble ourselves under God, and then we cast our cares on God. It's two good actions to take if you want to get rid of your anxiety. Humble yourself under God and realize that He's got a better control of this than you ever could have. Humble yourself under God and know that He, he, he is so much more wiser than you are. Humble yourself under God and know that His plans are greater than my plans. Humble yourself under God and know that He's working all these things out. Humble yourself under God knowing that God is sufficient to take care of every worry that you have. And then once you do that and realize you can trust God, at that point, you can take everything on your list and just cast it on Him. Great term. Casting all your care on him. Notice they go again in verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under God, the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. No period. Casting all your care upon him. The word cast is it's a great word. Since we can trust God, now we can cast all of our worries. It's a, it's a word that means to throw place the whole weight of something on it. To take all of my worries, put it in a basket, and hand it to God. Every last bit, every single one, not one piece at a time, but throw all of our cares, the whole list, on God. Throw it on God because He wants it. Throw it on God because He can handle it. Throw everything on your list on Him. And again, this is this is getting rid of it. This is this is I don't want it anymore. 
This is like, like a garbage man. He, he doesn't sit in and just place garbage. I mean, what's the, what's the garbage man that goes through town? You know how they get garbage? I watch them and how bad when they get our garbage. They take it and they, they throw it. They, they take it and they cast it into the garbage truck. They'll take it and say, well, one year and, and one year. They wouldn't dare do that. They take every last bit of it and cast it in the truck. And that's what he's saying here. Throw every bit of your worries, all of your concerns on him. Present tense. Keep on doing. Day after day, night after night, take your list, write it down, and cast it on God. I'll give you an example of how this works. I went to give blood the other day. Apparently, I'm a pretty good blood donor. And I wanted to do my part other than standing up to preach during the pandemic, so I thought I would go and give blood. And I'm a prideful person, and I think that I can do most anything better than anybody else can. You can ask my wife, you can ask anybody that's around me, ask my kids. It's always, oh, let me do that. Oh, let me do that. Oh, I think I can do that better than that person can. It's all the time. So I, I go to get blood, and I've given blood before, and I think I know how to, how to do it. So I walk in that place, and he said they sit me down in a chair, and, and they're getting ready to get their stuff out, and, and they're sitting there trying to get it out of my left arm. And I look at the guy, and I think, I, I'm just being prideful. I think you're going to need the other arm. Right arm, get a better blood. And he looks at me like, who do you think you are, man? I'm the expert here. Like, believe me, I know better than you do. And, and, and then he starts wrapping the arm up and get ready to put the, the needle in. And I'm sitting there thinking, does he really know what he's doing? I mean, what are they putting in the wrong place? What are these new? And all these things are going through my head. I don't know this guy. He don't care about me. He can easily hit me somewhere where he, where he shouldn't hit me. Or bring out more blood than what he should be bringing out. What if he has the coronavirus? All these thoughts are running through my mind. The worries, the fears, the anxieties. All these things are just running through my head. And I sit there and I thought, wait a second. I'm studying for a sermon this week about casting all these things that are going through my head. Not on anybody else but God. So here's what I thought. That guy's the expert. That guy's been trained. He's done it a thousand times before. He knows better than I do. He's got a plan. He's got a boss. He's got all these things under control. I have no idea what I I'm doing. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit back and I'm going to close my eyes and I'm just going to let him have complete control and trust him to take care of me. And I'm going to listen to the Beatles. And I'm going to listen to, to Let It Be. I should be saying that in church, but Let It Be. And it's, I just lay back. Now somebody uses this as an illustration on Sunday night. I'm just going to rest. I'm just going to trust. This guy knows what he's doing better than I do. And as I laid there, just letting him take the blood out of my arm, not even looking down, not even paying attention, trusting him to do exactly what he knows how to do. I was like, you know what? This is exactly how we need to be with God. He's the expert. He knows what he's doing. I don't know better than he does. My plan isn't very good. I, I, I'm actually not very smart at all. And if he gave me complete control, I'd mess it all up. So I'm just going to, from now on, when I have worries and anxieties and fears, I'm just going to lay back and let God have complete control of it. Knowing that he, he has the power to handle every bit of it. And close my eyes and just let it be. And every day, every anxiety, every care, he's saying, God, you know better about this than I do. 
And if that's your plan, if that's your will, let it be. Can we do that? Can we pass our cares on Him in that way? Taking all of our anxieties, just saying, God, you know better with it than I do. Just taking it and watering all of our anxieties up. Am I going to do it? Am I going to cast it? And casting it. I ain't going to do it yet because you know what you're sitting there thinking? You said, I, I mean, because I, I know how you are. You're sitting there saying that you're the same way I am. Can I really hand this over to, to God? I know he's I know he's got a great wheel. I'm not I'm not hearing people think they, they say that a lot. I, I know that God's plans are better than my plans, that his ways are better than my ways. I know that he's working everything out for the good. I know all those things. I know how powerful he is, I know all his control. I know there's nothing that he doesn't know about. There's nothing in my life that he hasn't already foreordained and planned. I know all those things, but what if I don't like his plan? So I'm gonna hold on to this. Not even put it in my pocket. I can't cast it yet. I might not like God's plan. So I'm going to keep it. You say, how can I get rid of that one last little drop of holding on? Knowing God's in control. Knowing God's working it out. But I can't let go of it yet. I want to hold on to it. How do I let it go? And that's the last point. Stop planning these things. Casting all our care upon Him. Knowing He cares for you. That last phrase is what lets it go. That last phrase is what puts it on Him. See, I can't trust a politician because I don't know that He cares. I can't trust a government leader because I don't know that they care. I can't fully trust that God taking my blood earlier this week. You know why? Because he don't know me and he don't care about me. But I can trust God with every single care on this list because I know he cares for me. And uh, well, let's look at it. I'm a grower yet. I'm not God. It says, for, because, Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. We hear that and think, oh, Josh, we hear that all the time. It's no big deal. But this is the biggest deal. This is distinctively Christian. There's no other religious book in the world that has this verse in it. That has a deity, a God that says, I care about you. Now, that's an amazing statement. And we just let it go in one ear and out the other. Like it's not the biggest deal in the world. It is such a big deal. You need to underline that, highlight that, arrow that. He cares for me. You say, what does that mean? And let me translate it. In the Greek, this is how it reads. Casting all your care upon him. Because to him, it is a care concerning you. You say, that's, that, 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 that makes it more confusing, Josh. Let me give you my translation of it. Casting all your care upon him, for you are his personal concern. For he is your primary personal care physician. I love it when you can call somebody and you get to the big wig and they look at you and say, I'm going to handle your case 
personal. I'm not handing this off to anybody secondary. I'm not handing this off to a secretary. I'm not handing this off to somebody I'm training. I'm going to take care of your case all by myself. I'm personally caring for your case. And that's what these words are saying here. That God is saying to us, I will handle your case. I will handle your concerns myself. That's what that word care means. That if we are in Christ, then we are His personal concern. We went on trips before. With, I think the last time we went on a good trip with my family was to the, to the Knoxville Zoo. I've got four kids, and I need four adults to take personal care of each one of the kids. I'll say, I'll say this is what I need to do. I got Gracie. <laughs> Step, you got Isaiah. And I start looking, Dad, you can take Christian. <laughs> Mom, you got him. Usually go step with them and then dad. We, we, we pass these things around. But I look, and what we do is I have personal care for. I'm watching over. Nobody else is. If they get lost, it's on me. If something happens to them, it's on, it's on me. I have a one-on-one -on -one concern for that child. Say if you've got that child. Dad, you've got that child. And mom, you've got that child. Four-on-four. It's a whole lot easier than two-on-four. Personal concern. And this word care here is we are his personal concern. If anything happens to us, it's on him. Complete control. Complete care. Unbelievable. What a phenomenal statement. I can cast all my cares on him. Because he cares for me personally. He's handling my case himself. We don't have misplaced confidence. I'm not handing my cares over to a pilot who doesn't care about me. You get on a plane and the pilot's going to fly, you trust that he's an expert, but you don't trust that he cares. You go to a doctor and you trust that, that the doctor is an expert, but he, he might not care. But I'm handing my case over. I'm handing my concerns over. I'm handing my cares over to one who knows every tiny, teeny little thing about me. Exodus 3, I love that statement when, when God and Moses meet for the first time and God says, I know your sorrow. I know your, what you're going through. And I have come down. I say, Psalm 139, I know you're down sitting, I know you're upright. I know everything about you. I created you. I planned your life from moment A to moment Z. There's nothing about you that I don't know. I know every single item on your list. And I'm already working in it, meticulously planning for it, in complete control of every worry concern on our list. He knows it all. He knows it intimately. And not only does he know, but he cares. Get this. And I'm going to close. 
I'm handing my list over to nail-scarred hands. And if you have any doubt whatsoever, who cares? All you have to do is look what he did for you on the cross. And what he did for you on the cross is evidence number one. Evidence number two, evidence number three, he cares about you personally. He died for you personally. Don't you think for a second that he doesn't care about you personally in this life. He will take care of every single concern on your list. He may not change the circumstances. Understand this. Throwing your cares upon him might not change the circumstances on this list, but it will change
pass on. On whom? The coming here to you. We all know what Matthew 6 says when it talks about not worrying. Let me give you a, a funny story. Not really funny. Convicting. Of the robin talking to the sparrow. And these two birds are up in the sky watching all of us humans worry, be anxious, have fears, stress, run down. And the robin looked at the sparrow and said, why do the humans worry so much? And the sparrow looked back at the robin and said, it must be because they don't have a God who cares about them like we do. We have a God who cares about us so deeply. And why on earth should we ever worry? So for Christians here tonight that are watching, and I hope there's, there's a church full, I want you to continually, daily, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Tonight when you go to bed, take a list and go through everything that keeps you up at night. And then you take that list and you cast it on God. And you say, you can handle this a whole lot better than I can. And then in the morning when you wake up, those worries come back. And they will. You can cast those worries and all of a sudden they're going to come floating back to you. And they're, they're back in your mind again. And I'm going to cast my, my cares upon him for he cares for me. I'm going to take that same list and I'm going to cast it on him again. You can handle this way better than I can. Your plan is way better than my plan. Your ways are so much higher than my ways. You're working every bit of this out for the good. I know you care for me. I know you uh, have personal concern for me. So I'm giving this back to you. That's in the morning. Then at lunchtime when they come back, do it again. And then at dinner time, when they come back, do it again. And when you watch the news in the evening, and there's President Trump and all the reporters and Dr. Fauci and, and Dr. Burks, and they're, saying, they're telling us all these things, I want to write those things down too. Coronavirus, COVID-19, the economy. And I'm going to wad it up, and I'm going to say, God can handle all that better than I can. I'm going to cast those cares too on him. And when Gracie grows up, and she brings a boy home, Boyfriend. Hopefully X after I'm done. No, and she's going to bring a boy home. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to say, I'm worried about that. Who's she going to marry? What job she going to have? Will she follow Christ when she gets out of my household? And it's not just Gracie. It's going to be Isaiah. It's going to be Christian. It's going to be Emma. I'm going to worry about that. And I'm going to go to the doctor when I get older. They're going to start examining me. I'm going to write all these things down. And I'm going to say, God, you can handle that way better than I can. I can't handle it. That's humility. I can't take it. Water it up. Cast it on him because he cares for you. Do it daily. Do it repeatedly. Over and over and over. Memorize this verse. Casting my cares on him because he cares for me. And if you're here and you're an unbeliever, I don't know if an unbeliever would watch this or not. But if you are, your greatest concern, I threw my list away, but at the top of that list is your sins dying going to hell. 
And all the other concerns of life are so far below that. Your number one concern in life is how can I get my sins forgiven? Number one. I don't know why I see so many people worried about all these minor things when they haven't taken care of the major thing yet. Of getting their sins forgiven. That is at the top of the list. My sins, they are many. My sins, they are so, so many. I have a list of sins. I should have brought them a piece of paper up here. Of all the sins that you we've ever committed, broken God's law, time and time again, those sins will damn me to hell for all eternity. If I don't find somebody that will pay. You need somebody that can handle them. You need somebody that's going to die for them. You need somebody to, to pay the price. You need somebody to, to shed their blood. You need somebody. I know who. The same one that can take my cares and take your sin. Every last one of them. The tiniest of sins and the biggest of sins. Put him on his shoulders and he went to a cross and he died for him. And he paid every last one. And all you have to do is take all that sin and cast it on the broad, broad shoulders of our Savior. He can't only take my concerns, but he can take all of our sins. And if he can handle that top of the priority list worldly, and take every, every, every other one too. So if you're here and you're lost, and I don't know who would be watching me on Sunday night as an unbeliever, would you sit and take, you take your sins, cast them on the back of Jesus, knowing that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And all you have to do is believe upon him and he will save you. He will save you. That song says, My sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And if you do that tonight, if you believe upon Him, the one who is perfect in every way, the one who went to a cross and died for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, the one who's coming back to make all things right, so there will be no more worries and anxiety. If you'll believe on Him, fully, that's it, then you can go ahead right now and mark off that top worry off your list and never have to be concerned about it ever again. That's a big one. Get that one taken care of. this sermon to calm some, help calm some storms within. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it, the power of it, the uh, application of it, that we can take this and use it tomorrow. This is so good for us. We need it. So God, teach us these, these words. Teach us these truths. Implant them in our hearts.
I don't want to just hear this with physical ears. I want to hear this with spiritual ears. That it gets down deep within me and calms my every fear, my every worry, my every anxiety. God help us all, please. Cast our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. And we ask and pray these things.